You're a ridiculous person. Okay, I wasn't. You were getting so livid about the uh, the uh, Virginia Tech agree thing. Baylor should be in the playoff, but you guys. Or TCU. What? No, they they, they both deserve it over Ohio Baylor, State. Baylor, Baylor. Over Wait, but I wasn't just gonna sit there and go around in a circle. We were all gonna talk about how much we love or how much we hated. It. I wanted to create some controversy. Yeah. See, I'm not. I'm not used to that. I'm usually the one playing devil's advocate. Radio is king of the media. I suppose our youngsters would say cornball or square. And now, CBN Radio brings you... All the broadcast uh, uh, media can do to give them a sense of flavor. It's all vegetable. It's digestible. It's delicious and nutritious. Life-size and ready to eat. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And we're the News and Media Talk Show. It's obviously been an interesting week in that regard. Does anybody really care about what's going on at the New Republic? I don't know. I don't. Uh, yeah, we have a young whippersnapper, as they say, who, who, who bought the New Republic with his uh, money that he earned from Facebook. And he's stepping on a few toes as they say, I don't know if he's handled things properly. His inexperience of, in management sounds like the problem. But uh, we won't talk about the New Republic tonight. That's one magazine we can skip. Don't those internet people know that print is dead? <laughs> Long live print. Yeah. And, of course, we've got, uh, I'll give out a quick brain damage award to the Michigan State Legislature. I always worry about what state legislatures and Congress are doing during lame duck sessions. How on earth they can claim that burning tires in plastic is renewable energy is beyond me. <laughs> but believe it or not, that's a bill that's recently passed one of the houses of the Michigan State Legislature. I believe the harnessing the energy of a tire fire, rubber tires. <laughs> is yeah. that what they're proposing? <laughs> Talk about pollution. Well, uh, fans of The Simpsons will know that. Uh that's going to make the Simpsons a, a energy powerhouse. That's right. Springfield Tire Fire is a, a spectacle to behold. Ridiculous. Oh, God. It's almost as ridiculous it's as the... like somebody who's been huffing fumes from a tire fire proposed that legislation. It's uh, remarkable stuff. Uh, 
but there aren't many scientists, obviously, in the uh, Michigan State Legislature these days, and they seem to be hard to find anywhere in the political arena, period. Kind of refreshing to see that the new uh, proposed Secretary of Defense is actually a scientist. What his chances are of getting confirmed remain unclear, but uh, he's been confirmed before quite easily, so I think smooth sailing with him. Obviously, the big uh, media story this week has been the uh, grand jury decision in New York City, and we touched a little bit on this last week, uh, just because I happened to be in New York when Eric Garner was... uh, Killed uh, in police custody. There's no other way to put it gently. <laughs> Chokehold is, I think, part of the dispute. Uh, it seems like a couple of other officers had their foot on him. He was a large man with uh, medical complications. That's part of the issue here. I'm skeptical that the police officer had an intent to commit murder, but certainly uh, the Circumstances of the Staten Island uh, situation in Ferguson are very, very different. And uh, at the very least, uh, he seems to have violated New York police protocol. So what more needs to be said other than I remain skeptical of the use of grand juries to determine the outcome of these kinds of cases. And this gets back to the political arena that we have I'm not sure on this, don't bet the farm, but I think it was Edward II that created grand juries back in the 13th century or something like that. And back then it was used as kind of a council of elders, so to speak, to determine local crimes in villages and whatnot. The British got rid of grand juries in 19, I think, 33. I think I heard a law expert talk about this. And it strikes me that this is at the heart of the problem. There's the old joke about the ham sandwich. But in most cases, the DA cooperates with the police to determine whether or not there's going to be a criminal pursuit, and a judge has a preliminary hearing. And it almost strikes me that grand juries are not the appropriate venue for the police to be investigated. Uh, intellectual studies on this subject have shown that grand juries rarely indict police officers when they're in uniform. And some of the shootings that have been occurring in the United States over the past six or seven years in which the data is somewhat murky, scarce, hard to figure out, is troubling. Um, Part of this is the power of the gun lobby and the inability of the government to collate reliable statistics. So it strikes me that there are a lot of public policy issues that would be nice if we had conversations about them. But unfortunately, that's not happening. Instead, people are kind of circling the wagons. Well, that's really, circling the wagons is kind of the point of a grand jury. Really, it's uh, to, to keep... A dangerous truth sort of under some kind of control secrets uh, secrets it's not about uh airing things for uh, public consideration or consumption it's about sort of securing the rights of those who maintain and operate the systems of power themselves yeah and it's interesting because i've been doing a lot of research in the last couple of years on the alger his case and of course that was a grand jury in new york 
uh, that heard uh, conflicting uh, testimony from various witnesses about the goings-on of so-called communists in uh, the 1930s in Washington, D.C. So not only were memories uh, murky about what had happened 14, 15 years earlier, but they weren't even in the correct venue, so to speak. And, of course, New York's DA system does use a lot of grand juries uh, for these sort of politically sensitive cases, and that's about the only thing you can say about this, that this is a disaster. Um, I can't breathe strikes me as a far more uh, viable uh, slogan going forward than put your hands in the air. <laughs> well, hands hands in the air is too many too many readings on that sign, you know. It's, it's, and so, yeah. Of course, the most that. outrageous uh, case of a guy getting shot this year was, I think, in South Carolina where a African-American guy was getting gas at a corporate entity. I'll just put it put it that way, when an officer decided to confront him over something and he went to get his wallet that was sitting on the dashboard and the policeman shot him because he thought he was getting a gun. And you can hear the guy in the background say, why did you shoot me? Yeah. Well, good question. Uh, that police officer, by the way, was fired. I don't think it even went to a grand jury and he is being charged. Well, I mean, the two sort of bubbling issues that are hand-in-hand in in this entire scenario are the two sides of the same coin here. The fear and paranoia that police have about it's a heavily armed society we live in. Yes. Everybody and anybody could be reaching for a gun. The other side of the coin is the sort of deeply rooted, instinctive, even against your best wishes, uh, twinges of racism that rise up in these sort of like spasm moments where, oh no, it's a black person uh, flash in the mind of the officer that, you know, uh, they showed a clip uh, from television uh, last week of Richard Pryor back in the late 70s on the Johnny Carson show talking about how difficult it is for a black guy to jog because people think you're either running from a crime that you've committed or you're chasing somebody down to mug them. And so it's like you almost have to have a sign saying, I'm jogging. Sure. And uh, the extent to which white fear and the gun lobby are privileged by these, you know, blame-free police killings, that's the society we're living in at the moment. These are, you know, problems that go hand in hand. Yeah, and they're... A lot of overlapping problems that I, you know, I don't think there are, unfortunately, easy answers. You know, I don't have any, I have, you know, my own speculation about some of Barack Obama's political problems, of course, go back to the infamous uh, beer summit that he had in the summer of 2009, Mm. when uh, a very famous Professor Gates, African-American intellectual, Henry Henry Louis Gates, was basically... Pulled over. He wasn't even pulled over. He, he was, was trying to get into his own house. He was trying to get into his own house because he was locked out. There was some sort of confusion about the maid or something. I think he had a maid and the key wasn't where it was supposed to be, whatever, and he didn't have the key. And this ended up with the beer summit. And at the time, I remembered observing that 
boy, these guys don't know anything about beer. Yeah, their picks were <laughs> questionable. <kind of> <laughs> I mean, at least Obama had a bud, <laughs> but I, I think he had a bud uh, because uh, I think the officer in question had a blue moon. <laughs> no, that was what Henry Lewis King oh, said. It? Okay, that's terrible. It it, it 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 fit the perfect <laughs> elitist scenario. Right. Oh my God, a Belgian elitist beer. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good one either, in my uh, view. Yeah, and of course the uh, the police officer just <clears> to finish this uh, story of beer over <laughs> up. <laughs> he had a Boston lager. Sam Adams, a patriot, and a brewer, and a brewer. Apparently, <laughs> I've always loved Ben Franklin's remark that uh, God invented beer to prove that He loves man. Well, he also said that those who are willing to give up liberty, liberty to secure, uh, you know, sure. I'm now I'm botching the the quote. Uh, we're giving up uh, their freedom to get more security. Uh, deserve neither. And of course, this this uh, dichotomy, this sort of balance between order and disorder, or you know, because as we pointed out last week, the the criminal infraction involving Eric Garner is absolutely absurd. Well, and the culpability of officers who stand by and do nothing. That's an additional problem. That's also a question. Yeah. And I think that there was some negligence there, to say the least. But, I mean, let's face it. This guy's making, like, nickels and dimes. I don't even understand why the police are wasting their time investigating a complaint like this. Now, this gets back, of course, to the so-called broken windows theories uh, promulgated by sociologists from Harvard. <laughs> Uh, about how to deal with crime in urban areas. Uh, and there is something to be said for the argument, but it strikes me that there needs to be some serious reevaluation of why police are pulling people over and what are the infractions. It seems to me that I don't recall any Wall Street criminals <laughs> being uh, uh, handcuffed <laughs> for ripping off consumers and taxpayers in the Wall Street scandal, for instance. In other words, you know, we're talking about nickels and dimes here. Uh, you're not going to get very far in the city of New York with uh, making nickels and dimes anyway. <laughs> or, uh, if you're a cop, putting a chokehold on a Wall Street banker. <laughs> yeah. He's probably got some deep-pocketed lawyers behind him. So uh, both are questionable career moves. The militarization of the uh, uh, police in America is, is also troubling. I noticed in a recent uh, Harper's Index, and I'm actually relying here on the f Funny Times, which is a humor magazine out of the wonderful state of Ohio. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Ohio State. I think it's deserving of the Big Ten to have a team in the Final Four for football, but that's another issue. But I did like this uh, little observation. It says the estimated number of times SWAT teams were deployed in the United States in 1980, 3,000. In 2013... And, and one of those was for the Blues Brothers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. In 2013, 60,000. So, you know, that right there, that little statistic tells you something about our society. Well, here's one from today's New York Times. Uh, a photo of police officers in Methuen, Massachusetts, performing a guns-out drill 
in which they invade uh, schools in rehearsals for hostile shooter events. This is what Americans are willing to accept uh, in the absence of gun control policy. Uh, well, I guess it's a good thing if the police are practicing armed invasions of my children's elementary school. That'll make us safe, I guess. What kind of thinking is that? Well, there's a lot of cloudy thinking, and I'm not terribly optimistic about uh, either uh, serious changes occurring at any anytime soon. Um, I, first of all, the federal Congress is going to do absolutely nothing uh, next year because uh, I, I think they're already almost ready to go on vacation already. Um, because let's face facts, there aren't any gun control members of the United States Congress that are in the GOP. Chris Rock, who uh, had a very interesting interview today on Fresh Air because he's uh, directed an, a movie that's just come out. Hmm. He's a thoughtful fellow, too. And he's everybody's, and, I, and he'll appreciate the humor that I'm going <clears> to <throat> unfurl here <laughs> since he's a comedian. Let but it rip. Let's face it. Chris Rock is everybody's favorite Negro at this point. <laughs> He's a great guy, and he has a lot of thoughtful things to say, but one of the more amusing <laughs> jokes he cracked on the show was his, uh, the fact that he had uh, testified <laughs> at, at a hearing about guns, and he advocated reasonable gun control. Then when he got home, he checked his Facebook account, and it had all these threats, including killing and murder, and he said, I got to go get a gun. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and the humor of that, I think, was striking. I wish that they could repaint guns so that we don't have confusion about fake guns. And since Gore Vidal once said that all people that shoot guns are sissies. I concur. Let's make guns like hot pink magenta. <laughs> that if you alter the appearance of your gun, you've committed a federal crime. Yeah. This will allow officers to clearly understand what is a gun and what is not. I don't know if you can come up with a substance that is not susceptible to any uh, alterate, color alteration. I'm sure that's difficult. Well, there's a bumper sticker going around that says, uh, in a tough situation when seconds matter and the police are only minutes away, there's a picture of a gun. And, uh, okay, right. Well, I'm thinking the uh, sort of a translation or an equivalent bumper sticker is, Driver is dickless and afraid. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I heard. And, of course, there was a other remarkable incident earlier this year where a couple, a couple they were a couple of neo-Nazi white supremacists, decided to go out in a ball of fire at a Walmart. Oh, right. They were shot dead by the police, by the way. There weren't any... Uh, <clears throat> but not before. Not before uh, a citizen decided he <clears throat> would become a Save hero. The day. And uh, he went to get his gun that was in his car, and uh, the woman who was guarding the robbery that was underway shot him dead. So, uh, yeah, we need a new policy on gubs, <laughs> to say the least. I don't know about gun control. How about gub, gub control? That, gub might control. that might stand a chance of passing. Maybe we can rename the thing what they, what they really are. That, of course, is a veiled reference to the... Famous Woody Allen movie, Take the Money and Run, in which the bank teller cannot read his... <laughs> Poor <threatening>. penmanship. 
is threatening note. And uh, she decides to consult the manager to determine well, I think whether... That, that, that's a B. That's clearly a B. They have a debate whether it's an N or a B, but that's the humor of it. And, uh, <clears throat> gee, back then, I don't know that there were this many uh, gun homicides, but, uh, you know, when you look at the numbers in America, it's, it's uh, startling, startling stuff. And, unfortunately, nothing's going to be done about it. So let's... Uh, Give a brain damage award out to the political society we live in. As for the protests and the riots, you know, we don't want to see riots. Protests work. I think that the NAACP's protest in Missouri, the 112-mile uh, march, I think that was the number, uh, That that's effective. Uh, I think blocking traffic and smashing windows is not. That's not going to help the cause. And it's fascinating to compare the protests over the uh, recent grand jury decisions here in the United States to the Hong Kong protesters uh, that have mm. been at it for several months. They, of course, have ended up alienating quite a lot of the public in Hong Kong. So I think that there is a point where protesting can be counterproductive if it uh, is disrupting people's routines and whatnot. So I think the protests need to be carefully planned and uh, executed. But uh, well, and the increasing participation of athletes uh, will be an interesting thing to monitor too, and see how the you know American citizens have the right of free speech, but uh, employees of the NFL may not. You know, in if that's so determined in time. Yeah, there have been a couple of athletes that have spoken out openly, including to his credit, LeBron James. Uh, people have talked about this because uh, his shoe contracts, we don't need to name the companies, but uh, they're as dependent on him as he is on them. Let's remember that this is a young man that was paid $90 million before he ever played basketball in the NBA. And LeBron James, his first year in the NBA, brought attendance up, this is just because I'm a sports buff of sorts, 5,000 fans per arena. So he is a powerful spokesperson. And there have been some protests uh, from professional athletes uh, similar to the uh, St. Louis Rams. And as we condemned the New York, or the, excuse me, the St. Louis Police Department for demanding retaliation and retribution for the five St. Louis Rams that... Uh, yeah raised their hands when they ran onto the field. Very symbolic speech. Recall, of course, that Tommy Smith and John Carlos in the 1968 Olympics... Mexico City Olympics, yeah. ...raised their hands. They were stripped of their gold medals by the IOC. Ridiculous. Uh, political statements, of course, on the Olympic medal stands, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, if there'd been an anti-Soviet protest, though, do you think they would have taken the golds away? Podium, I guess, is a good... Uh, yeah, it's a podium. It's a podium. Yeah. That is, uh, is, has always uh, been a delicate situation, but I certainly don't think they deserve to have their gold medals stripped. As for the continuing hatred of Barack Obama, that goes unabated. <laughs> and it's interesting to compare... Um, you know, the origin of some of this, this rhetoric uh, 
against the president of the United States. He, by the way, uh, allegedly gets about 50 death threats per day. Uh, This is leaving aside all of these strange incidents that have occurred at the uh, um, White House over the past several months. I wonder how that compares with other presidents. But let's recall Sarah Palin back when she was a nominee for the vice presidential ticket back in 2008. She claimed of Obama, our opponent is somebody who sees America as imperfect enough to pal around with terrorists who targeted our own country. Of course, this was a reference to Bill Ayers. At the time, Obama was a small boy living in Indonesia. The facts were all wrong. Then, of course, it turned out that uh, her husband, Todd Palin, factually had joined the Alaska Independence Party, whose founder declared the fires of hell are frozen glaciers compared to my hatred for the U.S. government. I won't be buried under their damned flag. This is Palin's husband, who attended meetings of this organization from 1995 to 2002. Um, it's remarkable stuff, but it's the inability, and I'm, I'm borrowing this uh, these quotes from Henrik Hertzberg, who uh, ironically, I think, wrote from time to time for the New Republic, dated October 20th, 2008. This is a New Yorker piece, Talk of the Town, noting uh, the vitriolic volume that had just started to accompany the McCain-Palin campaign against Barack Obama. Of course, you know, Bill Ayers became the uh, main focus of the Fox News Network throughout the month of October in response to Sarah Palin's cry to arms. But uh, Palin has never been accused of uh, getting a serious college degree anywhere in the United States. Nor is it likely uh, to occur. But revving up the hatred, the rhetoric, the infamous, her involvement in the... uh, Gabby Gifford shooting in Well, yeah, Arizona. I was just going to say her her defense of the use of those uh, Target icons, uh, you know, as a, well, it's just a sign. And then, of course, you'll recall that as to burnish her uh, credentials for a possible 2012 run that uh, sort of evaporated after she had some problems with Paul Revere, Palin uh, staged a couple of... Uh, elk shootings in uh, Alaska to show the American people that she was an outdoors woman. (laughs) Trust me, this woman can't even light a fire. She was throwing green foliage on a fire to roast marshmallows for s'mores. I said, that woman's never been camping in her life. (laughs) And yet she's trying to portray herself as this Rugged outdoors woman. But it's on Fox TV. People won't get it anyway. (laughs) That was one of the stranger examples of television I think I've ever seen. (laughs) The plot, the plopping down in the in the Alaska tundra of elk. 
Well, the interview she did in front of the turkey decapitation machine was yeah, also a pretty good. That one. was a that pretty was, good one. That's probably my favorite. But plopping down elk to be shot by Palin, who of course missed several times, <laughs> was just too ridiculous to believe. You betcha. Well, uh, there's uh, going to be a uh, report uh, critical of the CIA's uh, torture uh, era. Yeah. Whether or not it's still ongoing. Um, we probably don't have time to get into the full details on that. It hasn't even been officially released yet. It and is supposed to be released. There's been a big controversy about this. The George W. Bush team are saying, you know, well, um, this isn't really appropriate. Well, Mike Rogers, of course, is always to the rescue of the Bush-Cheney administration. He says that it will foment more terrorism. I'm somewhat right. skeptical because these uh, revelations are not secrets. We already know about these uh, tactics. This, right. by the way, was used as the, what is the infamous uh, euphemism they used? Enhancement Enhanced interrogation, interrogation technique. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. <laughs> and you yeah. wonder where the people that run our uh, government uh, come well, up with these it's, things. It's actually exactly that, their use of language and uh, con con condemnation of this report that hasn't even been publicly issued yet, and we'll have to get to that next week, because I did want to mention quickly that uh, today just happens to mark the 34th anniversary of the murder of John Lennon uh, back in 1980, December 8th, and uh, the quality of intelligence that the CIA gave the, the Bush Hunter team, as Gore Vidal called them, uh, is, of course, still under suspicion. When uh, you look at some of the FBI's memos, of course, F uh, FBI Director Jagger Hoover put uh, men on the trail of John Lennon because he might come out publicly against President Nixon and foment uh, trouble down at the uh, Miami uh, Republican Convention. Uh, the incredible idiocy of the memos that are released through John Wiener's uh, uh, pursuit of uh, the document trail there. I've uh, read that book, by the way. It is superb. Reveal some pretty remarkable question marks about <laughs> intelligence gathering techniques of all kinds. Uh, yeah, let and alone enhanced ones. Of course, Strom Thurmond was one of the main participants involved with the INS, and it's a, it's a very fascinating story, but definitely read the John Wiener book on John Lennon. If you can, well, thanks to Andrew for uh, engineering this evening. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Do stay tuned. Uh, Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on this fine station.
That's Charlie McCoy in the background.